We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke tonight, Luke chapter 17, if you will, in your Bible. The Gospel of Luke in chapter 17. I want to say I appreciate uh, the work that went into uh, the decorations in the auditorium. I think that uh, they did a great job and very, very beautiful. Appreciate that. It didn't just happen. Uh, somebody had to take time to work, and uh, I want to say that I thank you for taking the time to do such and making things look so good. The Gospel of Luke. In chapter number 17, we're going to begin our reading there in verse number 1 and read down uh, just 10 verses. Luke chapter 17, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then said he, Jesus, unto, his, unto, unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of, a must, of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat. And will not rather say unto him, make ready herewith I may, wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. In a time where I know that a lot of pastors around the country are just preaching Christmas messages, I believe that God led us here tonight um, with this thought. Time for a checkup. Again. Again. So let's pray and we'll get right on into it. <clears throat> Father, one last time we ask for your power. We, we, we do plead the blood of Jesus for the cleansing that we need, that we might be a vessel fit for your use, then ask you to use us. Give us divine direction in everything that we say and do, and help us, Lord, to... Boldly proclaim the Word of God as you would have it done. Thank you again for the good group that's here. Lord, work in our midst, we pray, please. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please, please do be seated. There are times that I just sit back in awe of how the devil works. 
And way too many times he uses someone in a church without them even really realizing that they're being used. We know this, he's crafty, he's sly, he's subtle, and he's a liar. And he's a thief, he came to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he'll do everything he can do to destroy a good spirit in church. Especially when a church is moving forward for the cause of Christ, such as RBC is doing right now. And as a church family, there may be some upsets here and there, if, like in any family. People may get disgruntled how things are run around here and move on to find some place that operates the way that they think things should be done. And that should not, ha- that should not affect what goes on around here. We just got to keep moving the way that God wants us to move. Because this is the Lord's church. Doesn't belong to us, belongs to Him. He, he said He would build it. And however He sees fit to add to it or take away from it, it's definitely His business because it is His church. Our concern needs to be getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Come on, we don't need to lose our focus. That's why we're here, to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. But the prerequisite of doing that starts right here with making sure we are where we need to be in our Christianity, in our Christ-likeness. We have to make sure that we're doing what we should do. Excuse me, as born-again believers, we should constantly be checking ourselves, our spiritual walk, our relationship with others, our faith in God, our dutiful obedience to God. And if we fail in one area, it can cause us to fail in other areas. And I really do believe that God has some things to show us from this passage of Scripture tonight. Verse number one again, excuse me, says this. Then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible that offenses will come. But woe unto them through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck, and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. So, I think we need to make sure that we're not being a stumbling block to others. That we're not being offensive to others. That, 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 we, take, that te- we take heed to ourselves that we're not the one being offensive. It, it, it's an impossible, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Offenses will come. Come on, you get a group of people, you get a group of people together, there's going to be time that offenses will come. They will come. But Jesus said, woe unto him through whom they come. And then he talks about, uh, uh, talks about uh, um, uh, little ones being, being offended. But that could be speaking of children. Or it could just be speaking of those that are weaker than you. Weaker than me. Children in the Lord. You know, causing others to sin, causing others to stumble, doesn't seem to be taken lightly by God. And we understand the Lord here is talking to His disciples. He's giving them warning. He's warning them. We are all subject to temptation in our lives. There's not any doubt about that. But it is when we give in that there's a good chance that we'll end up misleading someone else. The sin of misleading others seems to draw heavy judgment from God. Come on, he said, it's better to cast a, a tie a millstone around your neck and cast you off into the sea than you would be offensive like that. Come on, he does expect us to be Christ-like. We are sinners and we will sin, no doubt about it. Jesus said it is impossible that offenses will, uh, but that offenses will come. We know this, sin is everywhere. It's in businesses, offices, markets, playing fields, homes, and at church. 
it's, it's right here at church. And there's no place that's excluded from sin as long as people are there. And no doubt committing sin is bad, but when we cause others to commit sin, it's that much worse. And the word offenses here means to be a stumbling block, uh, to bait, to lure, to trip someone up. The ones that do that are not right um, with God themselves. A stumbling block is someone who would cause others to stumble, others to sin. Isn't it really something how we can pull others into sin? I mean, sins like grumbling and complaining and criticizing, or maybe sins like taking sides against other people, or maybe sins like being worldly and materialistic, or maybe sins like just wanting more and more and more, or sins like being conceited and prideful, or living loose and immoral lives, or maybe even to the point of cursing and talking filthy. Isn't it something how we can be pulled into those things? A stumbling block is anyone who claims to be a true follower of Christ, but is not, even whether they realize it or not. Because someone like that shames the name of Christ. We're talking about hypocrites who cause others to misjudge Christ and the, and the church. You know, parents like, that might cost, uh, parents like that might quite possibly lead their children into a false hypocritical lifestyle which eventually causes them to run the other way. We have to make sure that we're living right. Ladies and gentlemen, are you listening to me? We have to make sure that we're living right. As adults, as young people, as children, we have to make sure that we're living right. Come on, we claim the name of Christ. We are Christian. We are here. We're the church. And so we have to make sure that we're living right. A stumbling block will discourage others from following Christ by their words or by their actions, by how they live, or even by abuse or the neglect of other people, or, or by gossip and the slander of other people, or by anger and hostility toward others, or unforgiveness toward others. Leading others to sin is not taken lightly, is not taken lightly by the Lord. Again, verse number two, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should have offend one of these little ones. God doesn't take it lightly. <clears throat> Romans 14, 13 says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. First John chapter two, verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. So we have to make very, very sure that we're walking where God would have us to walk, as God would have us to walk, doing what God would have us to do, living the life that God would have us to live so that we're not a stumbling block to those that are around us. And then verse number three, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So, so are we a stumbling block, number one? But second, have we forgiven others as we're commanded to do? Because we are commanded to forgive. I said, you can't get past this. We are commanded to forgive. We are to forgive others. Well, they haven't asked forgiveness. That's not a prerequisite. We are to forgive. Come on, we're to be the bigger person. We're to be the one that's Christ-like. Remember him hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We are commanded to forgive. And we have to ask ourselves, have I forgiven everyone that I should? Come on, take, take note of those words. Take heed to yourselves. Don't miss the importance of that. 
If someone sins against us, we are to rebuke them. And then if they repent, we are to forgive them. And here's the point. Uh, There is no reason that there should be unforgiveness among the people of God. I'll say there's no reason there should be unforgiveness among the people of God. There's no reason for it. Come on, even as we go to the Lord's table, the Lord's table isn't like, well, I better not take that because I'm not right with God because I'm not right with so-and-so. Oh, no, 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 no. We're given an opportunity to get right with so-and-so. And and that is to keep the unity in the church. That is to keep the good spirit in the church. That is to keep the church moving in the right direction. There is no reason for unforgiveness among the people of God. No matter the manner of sin against you, there is a way of making things right. The word rebuke there in that verse is a Greek word, apidamayo. That's probably not the way you say it, but it's a very significant word. And it means this, it means to be emphatic or forceful or insistent with someone. So we are to confront those who offend us or or are a stumbling block in our lives. Now you got to get this, it's not our job to fix them. I'll say that again, it's not our job to fix them, but it is our responsibility to do what we can do to correct a brother that wrongfully offended us. We are to do that. Come on, get this. It is to be done in love and compassion, not a judgmental spirit. Not looking down your nose, not acting like you're better than somebody else. No, 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 no. It's be done in a Christ-like manner, in a correct way, in a biblical manner. Absolutely. We are talking about forgiveness here, and that cannot happen without the spirit of love and compassion. There has to be the spirit of love and compassion. We are to respond to being mistreated by loving and being compassionate to others. That's what, that's what we're taught in the Word of God. We are to deal with those that sin against us and do us wrong. To to, to not do so allows others, uh, to not do so such, uh, come on brain, to not do so allows such behavior to continue. That type of behavior behavior should not be uh, running around in a church. I said it shouldn't be that way in a church. Come on, churches are tore apart year after year after year because things like this are not, are not addressed. And it shouldn't be that way in a church. No, 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 no. To, to, to not, it, 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 it makes it seem acceptable. Well, so-and-so is like that and so-and-so is like that. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Amen. God does not want anyone to think that such things are acceptable in His sight. They're not acceptable in His sight. Come on, this is all about Him, Right? And these things are not acceptable in God's sight. To not confront it is that if we are accepting of such behavior. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Thessalonians 3.15, 2 Thessalonians 3.15, Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Take care of it. Do something about it. Come on, in almost every counseling session I have where I'm trying to deal with two people that are at odds with one another, whether husband or wife, whatever the case may be, one of the first things that I say is that there is nothing that cannot be worked through by two people who are willing to talk. Things can be worked through. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 17 says, He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. Proverbs 29.1, he that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. But we also have the command to forgive. 
And as we forgive others, it makes us more godlike. No, I'll say that again. As we forgive others, it makes us more godlike. Because God forgives and forgives and forgives. Okay, okay, let me get more pointed about this. God forgives you over and over and over and over again. So what right have we to not forgive others? It makes no sense whatsoever if we're supposed to be like Christ. If we're supposed to be Christian, if we're supposed to be Christ-like. We are never to take advantage of the forgiveness of God. Not supposed to do that. Because judgment will finally come to those that do so. But never let us forget, God continues to forgive those who truly repent. And because of that, we are to show that type of forgiveness to others. And when we don't, it just binds us up. It just hurts us. Brother Wolfram and I were talking this morning. He was at the prison, of course, last night, as he is every Saturday night, preaching on the subject of forgiveness. And and he used this quote. I thought it was so good. Listen to this, please. It, It says, forgiveness is the servant of my will, not the prisoner of my emotions. Oh, come on. That's very good. You need to chew on it for just a minute. Forgiveness is the servant of my will. Not the prisoner of my emotions. We don't have to allow our emotions to keep us from forgiving. Oh, no, 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 no. It's the servant of my will. We choose to forgive. Come on. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a decision. We make a decision to do so. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 says, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. It really amazes me that people think that they can run around with unforgiveness in their heart and treat people in terrible, 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 terrible ways and think that they're right with God. You're not right with God. It's not happening. No, you're adding sin to sin to sin to sin. I'm telling you, until you you repent of that and forgive the way that you should, you are not in right standing with God. And I promise you, that is affecting your Christian walk a whole lot more than you want to think that it is. And it's not only affecting your Christian walk a whole lot more than you think it is, it's affecting the people around you a whole lot more than you think it is. It's something that needs to be taken care of. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and be, and be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 13 says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave. That is the way that we are supposed to be. And when it's not that way, it does nothing but cause problems in our life and in our church. And and then the third thing, look at verse number five. It says, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, And be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So the disciples came to the realization that their faith was weak. Their faith was weak. It was much too weak to live the type of life Jesus was talking about. Come on, that's why they come. They increase our faith. We need some help here. Man, you're preaching some hard stuff to us, so help us out here. Increase our faith. Come on. They realize that. Because, because the Lord wanted, wanted them, wants us to have a faith so strong that we, they could be free from ever causing another person to stumble. 
I want your faith to be so strong that you can be free from ever causing another person to stumble. And you can be so loving and compassionate that, that, that you would forgive a person time and time and time again if need be. They knew that their faith needed to be more than it was. They knew that. And they weren't scared to confess it. They needed faith in the power and love of Christ. That the love of God would uh, permeate their whole being. Uh, they, they knew that they needed to trust His presence more and more and more. But I'm sure you noticed what Jesus said there. I mean, they said, increase our faith. And he said, if you had faith as grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. What are you saying, preacher? It's... Okay. Genuine faith is what is needed not great faith oh come on come on get this genuine faith is what is needed not great faith he said jackson he said that if we have grain, uh, a faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed you can't hardly see one of those or as an old man i can't hardly see one of those if we had that much faith we could tell this tree to just jump up jump in the ocean and it'd do it i've never been able to do that so I must not have great faith. But I do have genuine faith. Well, what do you mean? I trust what the Bible says. It is the Word of God. By faith I trusted Christ as my Savior. By faith I followed Him step by step. Oh, I've not always done well, but by faith I continue to follow Him and try to do exactly what God would have me to do. I mean, just genuine faith. And the stress here from, from the Lord is not quantity. Come on, it's not how much faith a person has. Uh, it, 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 it's, it, it's not a matter of increasing faith. It's a matter of possessing and having faith. It's a matter of genuine faith. The very smallest amount of genuine faith, the faith as small as a mustard seed, can do the impossible. And nothing is impossible for those that put their faith in Him and their faith in His Word and trust what He has to say. And I'm telling you, we get, no, 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 if we're to the place where we go, well, I know what the, I know what the, I know what the, I preacher, I know what the Bible says, I'm trying to work through it. Oh, no, no, we don't try to work through it, we do what God says. Amen. This isn't a, no, no, this isn't a thing of trying to work through anything. We trust God by faith and do what He says, knowing that His way is right and our way is wrong. It's impossible that we have this genuine faith. And boldness is needed. I understand that. It takes boldness to walk up to a tree and tell it to be removed. I mean, really, to, to, to really believe that the request is done. We either believe it or not. And it's not a matter of how much belief. It's a matter of genuine belief. Genuine belief. So, so do we believe the Word of God when it tells us that we are to forgive? No, no. Do we believe it enough that we go ahead and forgive? Do we believe it enough that we, that we, that we, use, that, that we arrange our life to where we're not a stumbling block to other people? I mean, how much faith, how much genuine faith do we truly have? How much genuine faith do we truly practice, I guess, would be the question. 
do we really practice? Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith is impossible to please him, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, we do what God says. And then the, the final thing, look at verse 7. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when, is, uh, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, make ready where thy may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, excuse me, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Are we being steadfast in our duties to God? Because there are duties to God. There are plenty of things in this Bible that tells us that we should be doing. Are we being steadfast in that? We know that this has to do with obedience. To, to obey God is a duty. It's not a service, it's a duty. God says we should do this, we should do that. It's our duty to do that. It's not a service. And we have to be careful not to become prideful because of of the gifts and the power that God gives us, especially, really, especially when we do start living this victorious Christian life. We have to be careful. And Jesus used an illustration and made three points here. Number one, the believer is a servant. And a servant, <laughs> and a servant, people love this stuff, and a servant is a slave to his master. Oh, it's the truth. Okay. So number two, the believer is to serve and obey the commandments of God until all the work is done. You were bought with a price, remember? Yes. You belong to Him. You're supposed to be doing those things that He says to do and not doing the things that He says not to do. Jesus said He's to feed the cattle, plow the fields. And then in the evenings, uh, he is to serve the household by feeding and waiting on the tables. And I don't know if you've ever been around a, a farm and, and livestock, but plowing and feeding, that's hard work. <laughs> and, and it requires a lot of discipline. And it requires a lot of staying power just to stay after it all day long. And, and we see that the servant works all day and all through the evening until everyone else has gone to bed. And then he goes to bed and rises before everyone else rises. The servant serves his master. What a lesson. No, no, no. What a lesson for you and me. I mean, how few serve the Lord so diligently. I mean, truly serve the Lord. 
How, how many get up before others in order to spend time alone with God and then spend the last minute of the day with the Lord after all others have gone to bed? How many? Come on, it's the Lord's illustration, not mine. It's right there with Him. And we as believers are to be humble in our service for the Lord. And no matter what we do for Christ, it's our duty to do it. And truly we are, no, 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 listen to me. Truly we are unworthy of the privilege even to serve Him. The only thing that makes us worthy is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The only thing. And according to what the Lord here says, we are to count ourselves as unprofitable servants. Well, how come? Because there's not anyone that can claim that they've done all they should. Oh, I'll say that again. Please, please, please don't check out on me. And not anyone can say that they've done all that they should. We fall short. No matter how much we do or how great the work may be that we do. Come on, there's no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room for boasting. God commands perfection. And if He commands perfection that we can't do, therefore He expects humility. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. I'm thankful I'm a child of the King. No, I glory in that. I'm very, very thankful I am a child of the King. But I don't have anything to brag about because He's the one that made me that. And He's the one that gives me the opportunity to serve Him. Everyone that exalteth himself, Luke 18, 14, everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The last part of Romans chapter 11, verse 20 says this, Be not high-minded, but fear. Be not high-minded. So it's good for us to do a checkup every once in a while and to ask ourselves questions and to be very, very truthful with ourselves. It doesn't do any good to have a checkup and ask ourselves questions if we're not going to be absolutely truthful with ourselves. So the questions tonight are, are you a stumbling block? And uh, have you forgiven others? And are you truly living by faith the way that God says? And the last would be, are you serving God for the right reasons? Do you count it a privilege? Time for a checkup. Pretty much that is the, uh, that is the invitation. And what I'm going to say to you as your pastor right now is this. Don't let anything keep you away from the altar night, tonight if God has spoken to you. Even about the smallest thing, don't let anything keep you away from coming and talking to God about it. The things that you put off dealing with today may end up being the things that take you 
or your children down tomorrow. Don't let it happen. Make sure you leave this place tonight as right with God as you can by confessing and repenting and even making things right with others if that needs to be the case. You let God have His way. You'll not, you'll not be sorry that you did. I promise you that's true. Dear Heavenly Father, bless Your Word as it's been preached. We have tried to do exactly what we felt like You'd have us to do tonight. And Lord, I don't know the need across this, across this sanctuary tonight. I don't know the need. I just plead the blood of Jesus over this place. And ask, Lord, that uh, Your Spirit would have freedom to move and work in people's lives. And, and Lord, that people would just be willing to check themselves out. Am I, really, am I really where God wants me to be? Spiritually. In service to Him. In forgiveness of others. In, in living by faith. Am I really where God wants me to be? Am I being a stumbling block somehow? To others. To my loved ones to my children, to my parents, to my friends, to my co-workers? Am I being a stumbling block? Lord, help me to repent of such things and to get my life right with you. Whatever, God, you would have us to do, that is my desire these next few minutes ahead, that folks would not uh, harden their neck, Lord, but they would just yield themselves to you. Bless the invitation, we pray. And thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You know you need to come. Don't wait another minute. Don't wait another second. Heavens to Betsy. Let God have His way. Come talk to Him.